Hello and welcome to the Listics AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and we're here today to uh, pull apart a different part of the AFL today. So, as we know as fans, the AFL, uh, from a stats perspective, is broken down into uh, like hundreds of tiny little stats, and we have a couple of rating systems that are built off those stats, and those rating systems are pretty much how we tend to rate players as fans um, and how we tend to compare them. So um, we're going to go through them today and sort of pick and pull them apart and see uh, whether they can be used and whether they're effective or um, whether there's something better that we should be doing. And as always, I'm here to do it with uh, Sean Lewis. Sean, how are you doing this week, mate? Yep, doing well, John. Nice to be back. We've had, uh, I think, a week off this time, which is a bit of a slow off-season for us, but we're building up to some uh, exciting things off off the uh, off the air, I guess. Yeah, we are, and we'll probably touch on that a little bit later in the in the podcast as well. Um, some of you might already know, but that's that's fine. Um, we'll, we'll get we'll touch it on at the end. Um, so, as I said, what we're going to be doing today is considering some of the different rating systems, and this includes. Um, AFL fantasy points, super coach points, AFL player ratings, they're the general rating systems that we look at uh, as fans and as consumers to be able to identify both who's play well and um, who's playing well and it's a good talking point for us all as fans. I know that most um, most fans are pretty interested in the fantasy points as a, as a good guide. Um, well, you tend to have, I guess, fans in two camps. You've got the the no stats, I trust my eye camp, and you've got the people that love the data and the stats, which I think you and I fall into, but um, the truth probably lies somewhere in between the two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're a mix of that quantitative and qualitative type, um, and I think that it is important to be able to do both, but we are going to, just going to pull apart the, the qualitative today, just look at the numbers uh, and look at the different systems and see if there's a, a good middle point or if, um, I guess, how we can compare the system. So, First of all, I'm just going to jump into a bit of a summary of how each of the systems works. Um, so if you're not familiar, AFL Fantasy is probably the most basic system uh, that's run by the AFL, and it's a simple uh, point award or deduct for different statistics, and they are kicks, handballs, marks, tackles, free kicks for and against, hitouts, goals and behind. So it's pretty simple. Um, it's just a straight additional formula um, based on all of that. So total number of goals, da 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 multiplied by the points number awarded equals total points. Okay, um, the Joel Bowden game. Exactly. It's somebody who just racks up stats. Um, doesn't necessarily matter as much about disposal efficiency or efficiency in any sort of way, um, which, is, which is, I guess, why we sort of... Yeah, we don't completely discount this as a as a good way of doing things. It's just a quick way of having a look at who was involved in the game rather than who impacted the game. Yep. Um, the next one is like the super coach system. So super coach is um, a bit more complicated than than AFL fantasy, but it is still predominantly a stat counting exercise. So it's a possession based game. It's a possession based game exactly. So without going into too much detail, I can pull apart. Just the kicks. So the kicks are effective kick, ineffective kick, clanger kick. Um, so four points for an effective, zero points for an ineffective, and negative four points for a clanger. So there's a whole lot of different categories, um, and uh, like I think there's might be fifty or sixty different ways to score and lose points in the game. Um, but again, it's a if you're involved in the play, which is typically midfielders, it's a midfielders game. And um, I think you were saying about that earlier that you end up just picking midfielders everywhere yeah exactly with with super coach as much as we, we love it and we've just had our uh, 
super coach draft shout out to, to all the guys we're playing with this year and and um we've also obviously up to about our 17th iteration of our normal super coach classic side but i mean at the end of the day you have a look like you're picking guys like cade simpson and, and zach williams and up forward you know paddy dangerfield is probably one of the first pick this year and um you know sam menegola isaac heaney like all these guys are, are dual position players you're not actually picking guys who are forwards they're just guys who have played forward more than 35 percent of the time yeah yeah so, exactly in the in the last season it's not even reflective of where they're best to play uh, or anything like that like if i was picking a team uh danger field would probably be my first picked midfielder but in reality he's my first picked forward in this game yeah but again it's as you said it's a stack counting exercise so there is a probably a better correlation when when you're looking at it to who is a good player in Supercoach and who is a good player when you watch them with your eyes as well. But that but that also comes about because there's a so while they do have a, a point system, there's a weighting at the end, which is you know, so in a super coach game without getting really, really technical, I think there's a limit of uh three thousand three hundred points that can be scored in any one super coach game. Um so then basically they work out all the points and then they there's like an influence kind of factor I guess so you know when a person kicks the the game tying goal I think it happened a few years ago with um, oh, there was a Carlton player who drilled one after the siren against Melbourne who kicked the 50 metre goal so okay. it was a long kick a goal and, and a contested mark and it won them the game so that one kick and mark was worth something like thirty odd points to their super coach total. Yeah. So it, it, it's it, there's a there's a degree of weighting in there based on the limitations around how many points can be scored. Yep. Um, and then there's the other system which isn't really used in any fantasy game at the moment, but it does have some impact on the way we review players, and that's the AFL play rating system. So the AFL play rating system you'd see on the website when you look at player ratings um, in the stats tab. Um, and they pretty much, they refer to this in the news a bit as well. I think it was originally created to sort of help identify who are the real impactful players. Um, so on top of all of your standard, um, as I said, kicks, marks, goals, da-da-da-da-da, it also covers things like um, smothers, chasing, corralling, anywhere where a player is under pressure. Um, it covers a lot of that sort of stuff. And it, uh, Supercoach points also cover a lot of this. But... I think that AFL play ratings are able to better capture uh, when someone is really effective and when someone isn't. Uh, for example, there were a couple of years where you had Buddy and Surrioli and these type of players inside of the top few players in the competition. Um, whereas I think you've—I I don't think Cyril or maybe Buddy would have won season, but I don't think Cyril would have ever been in the top tw- ten or twenty or thirty players to score in Supercoach, um, and. For everyone that's ever watched a game of footy, we know that Cyril has a huge impact on the game when he's on. Um, And at his best, he was one of the most impactful players ever. So this system um, seems to be the best at being able to rank impact, but it still uh, heavily weights towards midfielders. I think that something like um, 30 or 40 of the top 50 are all midfielders or ball-winning types. So I guess that's the thing with fantasy. It's, It's around... You know, you select the best team based on the scoring system in front of you, and like there's there's tons of other um, like fantasy games out there. Like I think Fan Footy have got their own rating system and that kind of stuff. 
at the end of the day, you're going to select based on whatever the scoring system is that it's in front of you. Yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, what I've always found interesting is like you're never actually picking in fantasy. It's never a reflection of a side that you would pick for an AFL game. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't go out into a, an AFL game and, and have no key defenders and have no key forwards. Um, yeah. Uh, which is effectively what you do in in fantasy. Um, so it's probably like the one thing you know it, uh, that is missing in in the fantasy world. And I think there, you know, there's probably systems out there that um, do do it, but um, just not on the scale that like a super coach or AFL fantasy fantasy really do. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, everyone's had that. Pretty much everyone, unless you were smart enough to jump onto one of the many forums um, and and have a read of some information before you picked your side. But pretty much in everyone's first season, the people that I know at least, um, have had an experience where they've picked, uh, I think I can remember my first season playing Supercoach, I picked Simon Prestigiacomo in my back line thinking, well, you know, he's a key defender, I need a key defender, he's a good key defender. Um, He's only going to score 40 points, but maybe that's what a key defender has to do in the team. Um, but I get smacked that year and obviously it was a steep learning curve for it all um, and if you ever can imagine having picked um, Presa Giacomo in either one of your sides you would know what I'm talking about as far as being smacked around but it's a good indicator for going This it's not a system that reflects ability um, or effectiveness in team structure or um, anything really it's just a uh, game um, completely different to that of AFL um, and yeah it's it's very hard to use so I'm going to just jump into some of the other points now which is the I guess the relationship between the systems because as we said that they do rank different things in, in a different way so a good example of that is Sam Doherty now Sam Doherty um, a lot of people see as a very impactful player in the competition um, and when Sam Doherty had his uh, big season. I think he ranked uh, maybe second or third overall in AFL fantasy points. So he had like 120 or a massive a massive score for the year. But overall, he placed like 170th in the AFL player ratings. And the reason for that is that the impact rating of his disposals, although effective, weren't considered to be damaging, so they might not have covered a lot of ground. His marks might not have been necessary, as in they might have just been backwards kicks um, just to rack up stats. So in that sort of system, you do see a heavy bias towards, I mean, the AFL fantasy system, a heavy bias towards just racking up stats. But it is also a potential weakness of the AFL player rating system is trying so hard to rank impact of having a player like Doherty who's such a cool head and is able to control the play from behind there. You can't really rate that impact purely based on stat numbers. And he definitely wasn't the 164th best player in the competition that year. I would have said that he would have been closer to the top 30 maybe. Yeah, look, and that's the thing. If you if you step back and just go, if I'm picking a side tomorrow, who am I picking in what position? Um, if you were having to pick a... Uh, a running flanker, um, Sam Doherty, uh, which was about two years ago, I think, was his high-scoring year. You'd be um, you'd be picking him, you know, if not your first pick um, for a halfback flank, he'd be your second choice. But he'd definitely be on the field of most sides. Yeah, and that's that's really where 
the the issues lie with with fantasy is that you know you you're picking you know the best kind of st- statistical player in these positions um, without much restriction like supercoach you can pick six halfback flankers um, and you probably are going to pick six halfback flankers at the end of the day because they're the ones who um, realistically score the best in supercoach's points and we, you know we were discussing it before the podcast that Alex Rance, who's the best fullback in the AFL over the last probably six or seven seasons, he's only really been statistically relevant for um, Supercoach in two seasons in total. Um, other than that, he's just scoring 70 points a game, but yet he would be inside the top 10 players in the AFL. Um, yeah. You know, and that's just simply because he's got the unsexy stats of spoils, winning one-on-ones... Um, he occasionally takes the odd contested mark, which bumps his score up. But you know, he's never really going to score much more than ninety in a super coach world, and and um, probably about the same in AFL fantasy, where on on the scale of AFL player ratings, he's probably ranking inside the top, you know, ten pretty comfortably. Yeah, it's maybe not ten. We're just having a look. No, it's I I think that he he might not rank there as far as. Um, fantasy, I mean, as what you call it, ranking points go, like as in AFL ranking points. But he, um, I'm just actually thinking about another issue now with the system. Um, so we are trying to do a few more of these as um, a sort of we're working out the podcast on the fly because it's important for you guys to hear the discussion that we're having when we're trying to think about these systems. And if you do it in the terms of like, I think if you're trying to build a team, and you're trying to build a team with the best with 22 players in the competition. Um, in this case, if I'm using the best 22 players from Supercoach, I'm going to end up with all midfielders and probably two rucks. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm building it with AFL Fantasy, I'm going to end up with maybe one ruck and a stack load of midfielders and maybe some halfback flankers. And if I'm using the AFL player rating system... I've got Lance Franklin in there as a forward, um, Brody Grundy in there as a ruck, Max Gorn in there as a ruck, Ben McAvoy in there as a ruck, um, Paddy Ryder in there as a ruck. So might actually have, yeah. Um, you you have a couple of players that are defenders and stuff, but pretty much you've got like four rucks and maybe 15 midfielders and then one of each other position. And if you try to line up, even though those are the 22 best players in the competition based on this system, mm. if you try to line those players up and then you played a structurally sound team against them of the rest of the competition, the structurally sound team would beat them because they would outmark the midfielders that are playing at full back and yeah. at centre-half forward and all of that. And it's important, I think, in a rating system to actually reflect what would happen, not just not just the impact that those players have on the final score of the game, but if those players weren't there, what would happen? As in, mm. if we removed the two full-backs from the game and put them, replaced them with two midfielders, would that actually be the most important position is now actually full-back? Because there's this gaping hole, there's this really short player there. And it's a yeah, it's an issue for me when I look at it all. Yeah, and look, that's, that's you know, I guess, probably the title of the podcast. Uh, reality versus fantasy um, at the end of the day because it's so difficult for a fantasy game to accurately reflect um, what reality is but at the same time it's only difficult because um, of the the back end work that needs to go into the interface Um, 
overall, like you're probably looking at, um, you know, it, it would be more count. It would be more intuitive to people using it to have it that way because, when, like you said, your first year of super coach, you went and picked Presto Giacomo, which yeah. probably wasn't a bad choice if you were picking a key defender that year. Yeah. You know, he might have scored forty, but the best key defender might have scored seventy. Yeah. You know, like it, it's that it's that kind of thing. So, you realistically, like it's the flaw in all of the um, fantasy games is this. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, as we said, there's all these differences and there's all these flaws between them. I guess we're trying to work out how you can use best use these fantasy systems uh, until there's something better in place, um, how you can best use them to actually identify whether a player is impactful or not. Um, I guess if you're trying to find a, um, a back pocket, um, like, a, in, like one of those play-controlling back pockets or a... Um, like a setup man or a wing, you probably like the AFL fantasy system actually rewards them really well. So looking at outside players that score well in AFL fantasy is a pretty good indicator of players that can play that position really well. Those guys are your Andrew Gaff, um, Sam Doherty, Kate Simpson. Um, I, can't, I can't think of many more right now, but you you understand the type. I'm going to go through some um, some more sharp rankings now. Um, like the difference in uh, scoring systems here is that um, I think in AFL player ratings, Ben McAvoy is rated right near the top, inside of the top 13 players in the competition. And in AFL fantasy and um, uh, super coach and all of those sort of systems, he's ranked way more like 60 or 70. Um, So it it ranks rucks really heavily, the involvement of rucks, um, the AFL player ratings and, um, champion data as well, the super coach scores. Well, it's basically saying the most impactful area of the ground is the middle. Yeah. And that, and that's that's the consistent thing across all these games is it rewards the players that are around the football the most. Um, yes, a lot of these guys... It's a bit like the Brownlow, yeah? Like the midfielders medal in a way because it these are the guys that the, the umpires see the most. Um, and, and the problem that a lot of... AFL purists have is that they can remember when there was Ruckman winning and there was full forwards like winning the Brownlow and and then you know you go and look and everyone talks about you know this many super and I'm guilty of this like this many super coach points this was the impact on the game this how many contested possessions this da 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 like it's it's very easy to spit stats um, but it's about melding them together and understanding what do the stats mean versus that that um, more qualitative analysis with your eye and. And at the end of the day, like like Ben McAvoy as a ruckman is would be last year might have been the fifth best ruck in the AFL or fourth yeah. best ruck, yeah, probably overall. Um, but for him to be ranked in the top thirteen players, um, for me is just uh, like just in terms of the smell test, it doesn't pass it. Yeah, just yep, you're right. You know, I would have said you know if you had have said to me Ben McAvoy is in the top hundred players in the game, yes. Top 75, okay, yeah, probably there. Yep. Top 50, maybe not so much. Yeah, it's probably where I'm drawing the line. Yeah, you're completely right. And and this is what we say, the difference between fantasy and reality. And the other thing is there's the difference between um, objective stats and subjective stats. And, and we talk about this as in like an objective stat is a kick. Um, someone kicked the ball, it definitely happened. Um, subjective can be whether... Uh, the kick was truly effective, whether it was a clanger, 
whether it was an ineffective kick. It like there are rules that govern how we interpret it. But um, if anyone's seen that video, I'll, I'll post a video in the show notes afterwards of Dustin Martin tackling um, versus Adelaide. I think it might yeah. have been round two last year. Eight tackles. Eight tackles, and you you watch it, and it doesn't pass the eye test of going that they're not actually what we count as a tackle. And they're all not made equal. It's a judgment call based on as someone recording a stat. And the other layer to put over the top of that is that those that's objective versus subjective. So objective is a kick. On top of that, all of the data that we take is subjective because somebody has decided that a kick is worth recording as a stat. Yeah. So that recorded human interface, like a human saying, this is a thing that we'll record and this is a thing that we'll record. And we record all of these things and then we trend them with how impactful they are at getting a win. But as we were just talking about before, what if you removed certain players from the field and replaced them with like just a net neutral player, like a 180 centimeter midfielder inside outside, what would happen? And the reason you do that is because equally as important in football is what's not happening on the ball. If you're... If you've got a mismatch, like, I mean, if you line up six um, halfback flanks in your back line and the oppo- the opposition midfielders aren't going to look where they're kicking anymore, they're just going to get the... As soon as they get their hands on the ball, they're going to kick it long and deep mm-hmm. because you're going to take mark after mark after mark with your key forwards. And that's the thing that these stats don't do is go, what is the presence of having Max gone 60 meters down the field doing to the play? Is in his impact because no one wants to kick the ball long to that contest, is huge on the play right now. But he's not going to get a stat. The person that's going to get a stat is the midfielder that's getting the ball and kicking the ball. And well, it's like Grundy and Gorn both do the same thing, which is it's, I mean, it's an old coaching strategy. You, you Ruckman sits one kick behind the play. Mm. Once the ball goes in, you're 50. And the idea of that is that you know we've got these days we've got the press and all this stuff, but you still want your Ruckman floating because it means that you stick him in the middle of the ground and when the halfback flankers are looking to move the ball out and they turn to do that dangerous kick inside that'll open you up, they look up and they see Grundy, Gorn, um, Goldie does it very well, um, Paddy Ryder with his floating ability, you know, these kind of guys, as soon as they see them, they go, oh, I can't kick it there. I've got to go keep going down the boundary. And once you're against the boundary, you're trapping them to one side of the ground so you can clog the game up. And I mean, it's, congestion's another issue altogether but you know you're right like players impact isn't just limited to um isn't just limited to the where they are with the football like think about a player like aaron davy yeah like he he had 12 possessions a game but the fact he was on the field and you knew he was within 20 meters of you you were getting rid of that ball bloody quickly because 20 meters he could close you down in a matter of steps yep and, and it's that pressure. There's like People talk about a pressure presence. Yeah. Luke Dalhouse had it in 2016. Yep. You know, there's so many players that have it, you know, that close down speed, that chase, that aggression, that tackle, or the presence down the ground, I'm not going to kick it there because he's there, or, you know, the Alex Rance effect. You don't want to, you know, how many times have, have we as supporters sit there and go, stop bloody kicking it to Alex Rance. Yeah. Well, Alex Rance is a presence as well. Like, yep. you, 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 you try and not to kick it to him but he finds a way to get there or just him being there makes players yeah, uh, uncomfortable you're right that's the exact thing is it just him being there makes players uncomfortable so when you're looking to kick down the line you're trying to kick away from Rance which is should reward Rance positively with points and 
well, if you if you're an opposition key forward and you're lining up against Rance, you'll not only will Rance play well against you, which typically happens, you'll also play differently to try to beat Rance, which you won't do against everyone else. You'll try to play out the back. You might drag him to the goal square and try to stop him from chopping out. All of those things are things that are really impactful on the game and the way that the game is going to play out. But he will not get a stat for any of those involvements in the game because the stats are going to the people that are either involved directly in the play or involved indirectly in the play as in I'm a presence and I'm near tackling you so that's applied pressure or you've par- you've kicked it to me and I didn't take the mark. Like, that's a obviously you get a negative stat point for not taking the mark, but the person doesn't get a positive stat point for putting applied pressure on you uh, or not applied pressure, putting implied pressure on you as in I fumbled the ball because Rance was in my zone, but he wasn't on me. It's a, it's a, I mean, at the end of the day, these, in an attempt to be uh, quantitative, these games um, end up uh, being possession-based. So if you're in a position to take possession of the ball or and you mishandle it, you lose points. If you take possession and dispose of it, you get points. That's the basic premise. It's not looking at the wider game of football. It's not looking at how the wider game of football works and like the impact of, say, a Josh Kennedy down forward. Like he he has a presence which means that Jack Darling can be involved more and it yep. means that, you know, Mark Lacroix has the third or fourth but like you know, like you you as you look at it from the other way of Rance and you go, Oh geez, like, you know, there's this huge goal kicker down there. Yeah. Well, we gotta keep we gotta keep him back on his own. Yep. Well all of a sudden, you know, you're also allowing West Coast to isolate Jack Darling on someone who he's going to monster or yep. Lecrae last year on someone. It's just that, it's that overall impact. Like, we'd all sit there and say, like, you know, Buddy's the best key forward in the competition. Rance is the best key back. But yet, oh, Buddy, you might pick in Supercoach because he scores around 100. Yeah, you, you would pick him as a forward, though. You wouldn't pick him as a midfielder. No. Ever. Like, he might have scored well enough to be a midfielder once, ever. And this is probably the player of our generation, really. Like, he... Mm. Buddy is the, the player. Um, Rance, the key defender. All that. And, I mean, you even look at it at a larger systems-based approach. Probably the best defensive team over the past 10 years. It's a long time, actually. Maybe the last five years, say, has been Sydney. Um, yeah. Sydney, like, it's hard to play Sydney. Um, it's all... Everyone always says, you know, hard to play Sydney. And typically... Teams are scoring around the 60s and maybe the Swans are scoring around the 70s. It's pretty low a scoring game. You're never going to reward points, though, to your Nick Smiths and... Uh, LRT. Yeah, exactly. The systems-based, play- systems-based players that are keeping the total score down against them, as in a goals, goals aren't being scored against them because they're working well as a system, mm. rather than as an individual, my opponent kicked a goal on me, therefore I lose points. Like... It's a really hard. I don't know. So well, in, in, in like in basketball, there's a stat called a plus minus. Yeah. But it's a lot easier for a basketball. Yeah. Because exactly. it's five on five. Yeah. And 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 not only it's five on five, it's also rotations are unlimited and there's yeah. You know, people play twenty six minutes to thirty five minutes. Square linear court, so play is always moving in one direction um, or the other. It's never moving sideways and yeah, and then not and then, stoppages. I mean, you could do it. You could do a plus minus in AFL, but the losing team, every good player is going to be a minus. Yeah. Um, because most players play 85, 90% game time. Yeah. And 
the real plus minus. Like so, it's almost and then as well because there's so much shuffling on player on player, it's hard to do even a plus minus against your direct opposition because yep. who is your direct opposition? No, we use systems, we use this, we do that, and it's it's just incredible. Like it's the complexity of AFL, which is why it's so difficult. And you've got to commend teams like the you know the, the champion data team and the AFL fantasy guys for even putting a system together because it's brave because there's so many holes in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a way of um, analyzing the stats. It's a way of analyzing the stats that we have, which are objective measures of when someone has the ball or is around the ball, typically. Um, so, I mean, uh, this is a this is a long roundabout way of of launching into the, the I guess the final part of this podcast, which is that um, we're we're trying to we're trying to fix that. So it's not something that's wrong with the games at the moment, but we're trying to create a fantasy system at the moment, uh, which is position dedicated, structure dedicated, and actually makes sense to the average fan when they start. So instead of picking a team that is all midfielders and you pick all the mid forwards and the defender mids, if you're, um, if you're looking at positional, like how, what percentage of time they spent, but what you actually need to know is where are they going to impact the most in the game and where makes sense to pick that player. For example, it makes sense for me to pick Dangerfield as a midfielder because Dangerfield is one of the most explosive midfielders in the game. He's one of the best midfielders we've seen um, and starting him in the forward line doesn't make sense to me when I would start him in the midfield, regardless of where he started. I think that his scoring reflect that. So we are trying to do something about it. Um, so do stay tuned on that. Um, yeah, I guess the premise of it is that we want the average, um, I guess, football punter to, to be able to sit back and be able to pick a team based on the, you know, the way we kind of all started thinking about Supercoach was, oh, I've got to pick Presta Giacomo because yeah. he's a good key defender, you know, like, and then, you know, you bring it down to, it's just a point of difference between sides over who you rank and where you rank them. And, and that's just really, you know, for me, as much as I love Supercoach and I like Supercoach, I like Supercoach Draft a lot more than I like Supercoach Classic now. I think Draft because you, you're extracting players out of the pool and yep. you're limited and you end up picking key defenders like your Hurleys, like your your um, your answers and stuff because you need the 70-point 70 def- 70 defenders. Yep. All of a sudden, I, I like that. And, and it's a bit more like if you ever look at our our draft teams, they're probably a lot closer to a real football side than, than I guess, our fantasy sides in, yeah. in Supercoach Classic and stuff. So I guess really what we're trying to do is is, is have a system that, that allows the average punter just to go, I'm going to go pick Buddy because he's the best centre-half forward. I'm going to pick Josh Kennedy because he's the best full forward. I'm going to pick Rance. He's the best full back. Yep. I'm going to pick Hurley because he's the best centre-half back. Best centerman, we're yep. gonna pick you wanna, danger, you wanna, whatever you want. You want to you you give all the best players equal opportunity to be represented in the best fantasy team. Um, like that's that's the ultimate goal for me. I mean, if anyone um, has read the AFL prospectus, they would know that every year they have the like the AFL prospectus team of the year on the front cover. Um, the team of the year is based on uh, different roles so it's not based purely on how high you scored in Supercoach and whether you were classified as a defender there is key defenders key forwards forward pockets there's there's the lot and that's 
the sort of system we want to have where uh, the the impact of Brody Grundy is ranked and Max Gorn is ranked the same as the impact of Dangerfield and Martin is ranked as the same as the impact of Josh Kelly and Tom Phillips is ranked as the same as the impact as Alec Ranks, Alex Rance and Jeremy McGovern is ranked as the same as Tom Hawkins and Lance Franklin. Like all of these positions on the ground have an equal, like have equal impact on the overall result. And that's, that's how we're going to do it. So, I mean, we're doing it at the moment. If you're, if you're interested in helping us um, to develop it, you can just jump onto the listics.com website and go to the fantasy footy tab or just go to best22.com.au, which is our placeholder um, at the moment. But it's it's going to be that. It's going to be about creating a real best 22. and um, yeah, It's going to be about creating a side you could put on the park next week and be confident you're going to flog your mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, we are going to be uh, for everyone that listens. And if you do sign up um, for their alpha access, we are going to be sending out questionnaires and things like that to see what's really important to you. Um, we're going to develop the system, and we're hoping to have this really ready for 2020. So um, jump on early while you can and um, join us for the wild ride. But I hope you've enjoyed this uh, somewhat different episode of um, the Lysics AFL podcast. I mean. It's we we wanted to pull apart these systems anyway. I mean, I've written a report based pulling apart all of these systems just for my <laughs> own reference before we decided to make our own fantasy, uh, our own fantasy game. So we were already doing that, but we um yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope that you want to get on board. Yep, please do, guys. Log on, um, tweet us, um, get involved as much as you can. Um, big things for us this year um, we're really really passionate about this sort of product so um, we really 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 want to um, get you guys involved and develop the best product for the fantasy market because at the end of the day I mean Supercoach I think is 10 years this year um, and I know that AFL fantasy be you know 13, 14 years old and at the end of the day they haven't changed a lot in those, those years so um, we're looking to um, make something new and make something exciting yeah, and just a shout out to Stephen Evanson for, uh, I guess, the idea when uh, for this podcast because I saw some of his tweets about um, the Supercoach scoring system and the, the different weighting and, and it was sort of the basis for this. So um, love your work, Stephen, and, and um, hope you've enjoyed the episode. Crazy. Thanks, guys. Bye.